Hi, Bill Maurice, your department chair of laboratory medicine and pathology here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, coming at you with another chat with the chair. Today, I have the distinct privilege to be joined by my mentor and colleague, Dr. Kurt Hansen, our chief medical officer for Mayo Clinic Laboratories, also the person who interviewed me when I was applying back in the residency and hired me onto the staff. We're here today to talk about our 2019 priorities and in particular, value-based medicine, which we had listed as the top growth priorities. Kurt, thank you for joining me today. I just wonder if we could start with the kind of the big picture view of what are the changes in healthcare that, that are happening that you see in, in, in your both of your experience as a former department chair and now in your chief medical officer role, and how are those affecting the laboratory? Thanks, Bill. This is a great opportunity, so thanks for asking me to participate in this. Uh, as you imply there, healthcare is changing tremendously and things that the laboratory sometimes gets isolated from but really needs to be aware of because it will affect how we operate and really function as a clinical laboratory. Without a doubt, cost concerns are everywhere, whether it be from the government, employers, private payers, and indeed patients, consumers are all worried about the costs that they all pay for healthcare and thus the concerns about how are we going to control healthcare costs. I think another big driver that we're really immune to, especially here at Mayo, but also here in Rochester, is really the increasing move of healthcare being done outside of the typical hospital clinic environment. CVS, Walgreens, Walmart are all becoming major healthcare providers, and they are going to have a major impact on how Healthcare is delivered and paid for, and we really need to be paying attention to that. And I think the final thing, which is going to really dive into what you and I wanted to talk about today, which is the fact that when patients are increasingly paying more money out of pocket through you know, large deductibles and co-pays, they really expect to get value for the dollar that they're paying. So the quest for value-based medicine, which is really you want to make sure for what you're paying, you're getting a high quality outcome, a high quality return is really coming not just from payers, but it's really coming from consumers and what they want out of their personal health care environment that they live in. That makes sense. It seems like when I started, the lab was such a small proportion of overall spend that payers weren't really even that interested in it. And now you see a lot of interest from payers. I saw in one of the industry reports today that United Healthcare has announced another deal that's going to basically make the low-cost providers like Western LabCorp, the preferred laboratories for certain segments. And so it seems to me that this whole notion of value-based lab medicine is predicated that now that the payers are paying attention, we need to give them a different option than just making it a commodity to the lowest cost bidder. I think that's really true. I think we need to really move from the historic kind of mantra of any test, any time, any way that you want it, to really doing the right test at the right time for the right reason on, on those patients. I think the other reason payers are also focusing on this is, is that we've moved from back in the day where it was unusual to have a test that cost more than you know maybe one or two hundred dollars to nowadays over a thousand is not uncommon up to over ten thousand is even possible so we've moved the ladder of recognition from payers and thus their attention on us has clearly grown you know one of the best things that's happened in lab medicine is the genetic revolution and our ability to evaluate for genetic anomalies in patients in a variety of diseases 
but that's come at a price of cost and attention. What does that mean for the labs and what is value-based medicine? What does that really entail? I think it really comes back to what I said previously here. I think our job in the laboratory is to really work hard at making sure we're providing the right test to the right patient at the right time for the right reason. That's a really simplistic way to think about it. There's, I think, two arms to value-based medicine from a laboratory side, two or three arms probably. One is you got to take out waste. We need to make sure we put forth effort and use tools to make sure we're not performing tests that are not needed, what I would call the waste removal process. The other thing is that clinicians are busy people. We've got, what, over 3,000 tests in our menu? How's a clinician supposed to know about 3,200 tests? They inevitably will order tests that may not be appropriate for that particular clinical situation just because of sheer, pure numbers of things, and we need to help them get to that right point. Finally, there's something that we don't talk about often, but is probably just as important, is sometimes the test that really needs to get done doesn't happen. It's more than just waste. It's really about, again, making sure that the right test does get done, and it may mean adding on an additional test, or it may mean not doing a particular test. The utilization coin for lab medicine really has two sides, because on the one side you want to drive out waste, on the other side, if the right test is not done, it can really lead to a lot of inappropriate care, and we've seen that too, that tests that are not done, say, in the workup of sprue can lead to endoscopic biopsies that don't need to be performed, things like that. You had mentioned one thing that really kind of caught my attention there was tools. You could just speak a little bit about the Care Select Lab tool that we've created with National Decision Support, how that's working. Would love to. Uh, that's called Care Select Lab, and another product in the blood product arena that's being launched called Care Select Blood. And we have tremendous knowledge here in the department, incredible knowledge with all the consultants and the laboratories. Their depth of knowledge is just always boggles me. But the ability to take that knowledge now and put it at the point of order. In the past, we were stuck with what could we do in our LIS system. But now with this, this allows us to make sure that we can communicate our knowledge back to clinicians at that point of order. So it allows us to take that those laboratory rules that we know and that we've developed and be able to put it there in the EMR to, again, try to achieve what we just talked about, waste removal. Let's not do tests that we don't need to do. But hey, let's not forget to do tests A, B, or C because you really need to in this particular situation. And to inform and educate clinicians about tests that they may not be familiar with. So it's a, it's a great tool. It's really at the forefront of, of how to practice medicine. And it's really fun to be at that kind of cutting edge of being able to deliver a different way of practicing medicine to our colleagues here at Mayo. I've always thought the same thing in that it's a reflection of the integrated environment of Mayo Clinic that the lab and the providers are in such a close interrelationship like in hemopath and hematology that we really start to understand what's the context that the test is being ordered and we can really support it. That's just one example of many across the department. The Care Select Lab tool actually for the first time gives us the opportunity to make it available to the providers in a more consistent way. Interestingly, as you describe it, it also fits very well with the vision that Dr. Frugia is espousing for our next generation of Mayo Clinic leadership is to take what we know about the practice of medicine and put it into transportable, expandable platform. So the question that would come to my mind is, is it being used at all at Mayo Clinic? Obviously, we had to wait till we got through all of the EPIC implementation around, and thank goodness we're through that, and it's working. Once that finished 
finished up last fall, we were able to put the CareSelect lab tool in place here at Mayo. It's currently running in surveillance, in background mode, so it's running behind the scenes. It works. It doesn't crash epic. Uh, the amount of data that comes back is incredibly valuable and helpful. So we just have a small starter set, two or 300 rules right now running background surveillance just to be sure that the technology works. But the amount of data that we're getting back, I'm certain our consultants and our laboratories are going to find very interesting and very valuable as we begin to focus in on where are opportunities for us to really help the practice. Again, from a consultant side, there's a tremendous academic opportunity here to use some of this information that we're gathering and be able to use it academically. Consultants do such a good job communicating what we do to the world generally in meetings and in publications. I think this is going to be another good source of that information for them. Our conversations just bring up a lot of prior conversations we've had over the years about this whole topic. And as you know, I've thought for a long time that the worst thing that happened to laboratory medicine was fee-for-service because we started being rewarded just for producing results as opposed to thinking about what those results meant and how we did them. It really kind of dumbed down, if you will, our profession. And so this is an opportunity for us to really take thought leadership on how the lab should be used to support care. And Care Select Lab now becomes not only a tool to deliver that thought leadership, but actually a source of information to create and write and think about, understand how the lab is being used, not anecdotally, but with real data. You know, back when I was being trained, laboratory medicine was really pushed as a discipline where you really had to understand clinical medicine to understand the laboratory. It was really helpful to be trained that way and I quickly saw it didn't matter what your background was, it didn't matter what degree you had. We all have that capability and capacity to really understand clinical medicine in a deeper level that then can be used to really make sure we understand how our laboratory works clinically, which I think is really going to be necessary here going forward. Is there anything we didn't touch on that we should have with this topic? I think it's stay tuned. I think that's probably the message. This is a Care Select Lab tool is in surveillance. We've been in discussions with the Institutional Clinical Practice Committee, with the CDS implementation group here. Everybody's very excited about it. There's groups, for example, in the Mayo Clinic Health System who are very interested in this. We're right in that embryonic stage of making sure it works getting back some data, but pretty soon is really going to be an exciting time, I think, for the laboratories and pathology consultants to really see an opportunity to change how we practice medicine here at Mayo. It'll be a really exciting time, I think, for all of us. And then I would just like to close in thanking you for your mentorship over the years. Always feel I owe you a debt of gratitude for bringing me on staff here and being such a great mentor and creating an environment where I could grow professionally. So I just want to thank you personally for that. Oh, thanks, Bill. It's, it's been a pleasure.